Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 46 of the Kennedy Mile Report, brought to you by our great sponsors, Clio and LexisNexis. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In the last podcast, we changed up our format a bit and had a fun look back at legal technology in 2010. In this episode, we wanted to celebrate our last recording of 2010 with an all-question-and-answer session to spotlight what's on our listeners' minds. Tom, want to tell them what we'll, what we'll be doing? Sure, Dennis. In this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report, we're going all Q&A. We went out to our listening audience for questions and in the first segment, go through some of those questions, plus some questions we had in the old mailbag, and we'll give you our best answers to those questions. In our second segment, we're going to ask each other some of the burning questions that each of us have uh, been wanting to ask the other. And as usual, we'll end with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can begin to use as soon as this podcast is over. But on to our first segment and our first question. Dennis, here's a question for you. I'm the unofficial tech committee of my 20-lawyer firm. It feels like we're falling behind. What might we put at the top of our agenda for 2011? Gee, that sounds like a common issue, huh, Dennis? Yeah, you know, Tom, and this takes us right back to the the recent podcast we did on the unique issues that, that mid-sized firms face. And we'll go into a little bit of the detail that the questioner provided us, too, because it's really a, a fascinating set of issues that that uh, he or she faces um, and, and, and firms of that size definitely face. But there is that – I think that there's a key sense of when you're at a firm and you feel like you're really falling behind, um, you've probably have fallen way behind. And so here they have a couple of, of significant concerns. They're, they think about document management system, which they don't have. They know they need to do time and billing. And, and they're also wondering what else to think about. Some of the information that was provided to us says that they, they started a, a big hardware refresh, uh, which, uh, to get them on, get them onto a, with new hardware and a three year replacement cycle. And, and so I think there's a lot in this question and some of the ways that I think about this are sort of three things that really jump out to me. And, and one of them, I'm really pleased, uh, that, that the questioner has has started with, and that's the hardware refresh. I I think when there's a couple of of things that that I always focus on thinking about law firm technology, and and one is where am I hearing the complaints the most? What are the things that I can do quickest? And and what gives me sort of the biggest bang for the buck that can happen quickly? And I think that one thing that you can do these days that will buy you some time and generate some goodwill is doing the hardware refresh and accelerating that. I mean, computer price prices are as low as I've ever seen. Uh, anything that you buy now is going to run circles around what you already have. And will put put yourself in a position to do the other software upgrades and other things that you have, uh, have in mind, because you'll then now have the hardware platform for that. Plus, you'll generate tons of goodwill because people have nice new equipment, bigger screens. Uh, if you don't have flat screen monitors, that makes a huge difference. You generate goodwill uh, and give yourself some some time. I don't know, if, 
time as a first step, do you think that's a that's a good start? Oh, I think that's a great start. And and I think that that's that's something that I would certainly recommend as being one of the first steps that any firm should undertake when they are looking at their technology. But to be fair, the, the, the person who asked the question is already doing that. That's already something that they're doing. So obviously, if I'm answering the question, I'm going to say, keep on keeping on what you're doing with that. But I have really two answers, and I'll, I'll tackle the first part of that answer right here. And that is the first thing that I would do, the thing that I would put at the top of my agenda for 2011 is... Um, um, when it when when I hear that it says we, it feels like we are falling behind and that we need our firm to get more in line with the technology um, uh, that, that that it needs to be using, the first thing I think of is conducting an audit to find out what the firm's actually using. What are they doing right now? What areas do they find that they are falling behind in? You know, they talk about lack of document management. Is that a real pain around the company? Or do they feel like they can get by with using a Windows folder-based system? Um, time and billing is a huge issue, not only for financial reasons, but for ethical reasons, too. So I think that if this one, one person tech committee can sit down and 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 make a list and draw out what are the areas that we need to improve on in this year and then take that list and prioritize it amongst you know what what the firm really thinks is important uh i think that's the best first step for them to take obviously that's not a technology step but for me that's the first thing that i would do if i was uh starting off in 2011 and, and i think the other thing tom is is when you say i'm the one person technology committee or even even if I'm a small technology committee, um, you really need to get some help. And and I, it, these issues are hard enough and feel overwhelming just when you, for me, even when I'm trying to decide what to do on my own, let alone for a, for a whole firm. So if you're sort of the one person technology committee, I think you really do want to start to pull together an actual technology committee. There's a couple of things that I think will really, that will also give you a uh, bang for the buck. And so I agree with you, Tom, on the audit sense uh, that you, you know, you, you want to identify where the actual pain points are, what people are complaining about, um, address those. Uh, some of the, the, the things to look into, I think, are remote access, um, talked to a number of firms who had all kinds of complaints, concerns about technology. And once they were able to uh, set up really good remote access, uh, either to email or both to email and to files uh, with through Citrix or another, uh, another type of solution like that, um, Lots of the complaints went away, so that's a that's a really good place to go. I, I you do if if you identify time and billing as a priority, you do want to address that. You just have to remember that for lawyers, we're not really going to see the benefit of of that, and so that's infrastructure. It's sort of you know it's it's boring infrastructure, boring but necessary, and you're not going to see the benefit of that. If I'm going to concentrate on that, I also want to identify some things that uh, give the lawyers a sense that they feel that. They they're getting something new and useful to them. And sort of the, the last area that I like to look at is to say, where are you getting any push from clients uh, where they want to see you use technology in different ways and where they're either having compatibility problems or other issues? And can you can you address some of those things? And so uh, so you look infrastructure, you look at what you give lawyers on their desks, and then you also look to the clients and to say, can we use technology in ways that 
you know, assist our clients or make it easier for us to make money and, and be more attractive to our clients and to retain clients because we have we provide a little bit of technology that they find really useful. You know, I agree. I think that I think that if lawyers are starting to think about what technology they want for 2011, um, my my suggestion, my immediate suggestion would be something and, and, and the caveat would be, just like you said, that it needs to be something that's useful, that shows an immediate benefit for the lawyer, unlike something like a time and billing, which is useful, but but not sexy. Um, my immediate suggestion would be some type of management software to manage the practice, whether that be document management so that you are organizing your documents in a way that you can um, not only retain them them for the t- period of time that they're supposed to be retained, but also be able to search for them and organize them in a way that makes sense for your cases and your transactions and your clients. Um, practice management software would show even more of a benefit because you would then have your um, your dockets automated. You would have your calendar, your contacts. Um, every part of your practice, to a certain extent, would be automated and online and sending you reminders and giving you information on a routine basis. I think practice practice management software is for especially for a 20 lawyer firm is a, a no brainer is something that that most firms of that size should be using and, and if you have a lot of litigators in the comp, in the firm then think about case management software that uh, that can be used to handle the litigation uh, the discovery the uh, witnesses uh, experts those types of things uh, if you get and focus on one type of management software in 2011 and I would probably start with practice management, then document management, then case management. Um, I think that that's a good, solid, results-driven way to start. Let's move on to our next question. Dennis, go ahead. What's the next question? Well, speaking of litigators, I think you litigators call this a compound question, but uh, <laughs> it's the question is, what topics will you be speaking on at ABA Tech Show 2011? And what topics do you usually speak about when you speak uh, in public? Well, you know, the thing I like about ABA Tech Show is that it plays to the speaker's strengths and what they usually speak about. And so I was very pleased this year to be invited to speak at Tech Show on, uh, I'm right now speaking in in three sessions. Um, the first one is, I, I believe the title is Popular Cloud, uh, cloud Computing uh, services or apps for lawyers. I'll be speaking with the great virtual law office guru, Steph Kimbrough on that. I've also been asked to do some speaking on SharePoint. Not sure what's going to happen with that, but maybe, uh, on how, uh, lawyers can use it to collaborate and, and go beyond just the basics of SharePoint. And then I'll also be doing a meet the author, um, hour on my new book, which is hopefully going to get published uh, before a uh, tech show on iPad for lawyers in an hour. So I'm excited about that. If I had to talk about what I usually speak about, I usually talk about the internet, about research, about mobile technology. I do speaking on electronic discovery and records management, my stock and trade. Uh, but I can I, I talk a lot about Microsoft Outlook and Word and general uh, tools that uh, that lawyers use to do their work. I also have been speaking a lot lately uh, because that's the demand on social media and on how lawyers can use social media to uh, to enhance their practice. What about you, Dennis? 
Well, I'm really excited to uh, on both the topics that I'm I'm speaking on. So the first is going to be collaboration tools for transactional lawyers, which is totally up my alley. Um, and the second the second is on uh, open source software in the law office, uh, which which I think is is going to be a hot topic uh, this at least starting this year. And, and so it'll be interesting to see the the uh, the level of audience and and uh, sophistication, I guess, about the topic that we get in that session. But that's long been one of my favorite topics, and, and I'm glad to get the chance to do that. Um, when I speak in public, usually it's going to be, I, and I do a, a limited amount of speaking uh, these days uh, because because of the, my work situation and, and the things that, that I can and, and am able to speak on. But typically, it's going to be on legal technology trends. Um, is a very popular topic. People like to have me talk about it. Last year, lot, like you, Tom, lots of social media. And then I love speaking on almost any internet topic. So uh, those would be the things. Tom, next question. Yes, our next question comes from our good friend, Andrea. Uh, the question is, what do you think of virtual assistants? You know, I... I I was on my own for a while, and I think the biggest mistake I made was not looking into virtual assistants. And, and so I'm just intrigued by this whole notion as, as a way to get that sort of administrative and other work done for you, especially if you're on your own, uh, and just take the burden off your own shoulders, delegate work to somebody who can handle it, um, and they can do it all you know, remotely uh, using technology. Some interesting, I read something interesting that some uh, in corporate law firms uh, where there isn't typically as much secretarial staffing, you find uh, uh, stories, at least I've read that the uh, the law department will make a budget available uh, to some of the lawyers where they can actually go out and hire a virtual assistant to do some of the administrative tasks for them. And so I, th I think there's a growing recognition of, of of what can be done. And I, I think that especially on your own, you tend to try to do a little bit too much on your own with technology. And the virtual assistance option is, is really an attractive one these days. I totally agree. And I'll only add to that by saying that I think that especially for the solo and small firm lawyer or, or particularly the solo lawyer, having a uh, an assistant who doesn't need to be in an office, who can do their work from home, who can be anywhere in the country that they happen to be um, and can still provide you service is tremendously attractive. I, th I think the only thing I would add to that is that I would want for my virtual assistant to have a good understanding of technology because after all, they are virtual. They have to be able to communicate with with you online. I would ideally want them to be able to communicate via Skype like we're doing right now when we record this or or in other means, being able to conduct virtual meetings online. Um, I assume that a lot of lawyers who have a virtual assistant may also have a virtual practice, in which case your assistant needs to be as well versed in uh, conducting virtual business online as you are. And so those that's one of the main things that I would think about. I know many, many assistants in regular law law firms who are fantastic assistants, but are not great when it comes to technology. And I think that's one of the main topics that, uh, that, that, uh, that are one areas that an assistant, if they're going to be virtual, needs to excel at. What's up for our next question, Dennis? Well, Tom, you mentioned the, the iPad book that you're, you're working on. So our next question is, uh, what are your favorite iPhone? But I think this applies to mobile and to iPad as, as in general. But what are your favorite iPhone apps? Well, I'm, I'm going to, that was where I was going to take the question because I've 
I use my iPhone a lot now, but I find that I prefer looking at apps and things on the iPad now that I've been using it. And so I'm going to run through very quickly the apps that I like. I, I love Goodreader. Goodreader is probably the best app to be able to read any type of document, whether it's an Excel spreadsheet, whether it's a PDF. Um, it makes it a joy to read on an, an iPad. I use my Dropbox service. We've ta- I've talked about Dropbox many, many times on this show and being able to access all of my files on my iPad. I can't edit them. That's a downside. Um, I can't edit all of them. I can open many of those files in some of the other apps that I have on my uh, on my uh, computer if I want to on my iPad if I want to edit them. Can't edit them in, in Dropbox, but I do have access to all of them. I have many, many productivity apps. I can't really begin to talk about all of them. Pages is one. WritePad is one. Elements is one. They are all note-taking devices that have different utilities. I can send things to email. I can send things to my Evernote account. I can send things to Dropbox. They all have good features. Instapaper, I would be uh, dead without. Being able to read articles that I didn't have time to read the first time. We'll talk more about Instapaper later. Flipboard is a fantastic way to consume information from your Twitter account, from your Facebook page. You can use it now with your Google Reader and create a, a magazine type layout of your RSS feeds. I use Zinio for reading magazines. It's fantastic to read magazines. I use Hulu Plus to watch TV shows. I watch TV when I'm in an airport and I need, uh, I have a little bit of downtime. Friendly is my favorite Facebook app. I wish Facebook would come out with its own iPad app, but they haven't. So Friendly gets my vote there. I actually love the Twitter app for both iPad and iPhone for accessing Twitter. And then IM Plus Pro is a fantastic instant messaging app app that you can use to hook up all of your instant messaging accounts uh, that uh, and, and access all of them while you're on your iPad. And it works on the iPhone too. Dennis, what about you? Well, I just got my daughter an iPod Touch for Christmas and we were looking at apps that she would be interested in. And, and so I took a closer look at the apps I actually use. And what I find is that probably this is one area technology where I've actually shown a lot of restraint. And I advise that to people on apps is you can, you know, download and install hundreds of free apps on just about anything that you can think of. And so I sort of look to say what, what has stood the test of time for me? So what are the things I actually use? And so when I was uh, talking with my daughter, she's, you know, obviously interested in a Facebook app, some of the, some of the basic things. She was very interested in a a restaurant recommending app. So we looked at Urban Spoon. Um, I know, Tom, you might have some suggestions as well on Yelp. uh, Yelp, definitely. Yelp is another one. And so and and I looked at what I did. And and I think that there is a big difference because I see things that I would use a lot more if I if I had an iPad than I would on and I'm using an iPod touch at this point where I I have the apps. So uh, I think I don't know whether this recording will come out in time, but MindMeister is a mind mapping app that's usually uh, uh, like a $7 application that they're making available for free, I think, between now and the end of the year. So I like the idea of a mind mapping app. Uh, Dan Bricklin's uh, note taker app, I think, is really interesting. The the Dragon uh, speech recognition app is is something that I definitely want to play with uh, that's, and, and try. So I think there's a number of things out there. I think you just kind of want to use some judgment, go a little bit slow and kind of evaluate things as you start to use them. Probably it does make sense to try the free apps uh, first. 
Tom, we've got a last question. Yep. Last question is kind of to follow up on our very first question, which is what's on your own technology agenda for 2011? Well, Tom, I'm all over the... the Macs in the whole Apple environment, but I got a, a MacBook Air, uh, new, uh, newly on order, should be arriving in a couple of days. So I'm all geared up for that and making the, the transition and as sort of my primary home laptop uh, over to that environment. I also have Facebook and kind of getting my whole online presence uh, together in a, in a better way for 2011. I really trying to learn Facebook better. Uh, I had a high school reunion coming up, may experiment with that as a way to, to do some Facebook things. And then I always try, every year I try to learn one new thing that's kind of technical. And I suspect that next year that's going to be APIs. Uh, So that's uh, application programming interfaces, very technical topic, but it's sort of the thing that allows one one set of applications to plug in and use uh, data from uh, another service. And you see a lot of that. That's Twitter apps, Facebook apps are all examples of that. And so I'd like to understand a lot more about uh, APIs this year. Tom? Well, you know, I think the, the, and, and what you and I've been talking about, you've been giving me a hard time about is I my pledge for next year is to finish my blog redesign. I am using the oldest blog software in the world and I have decided to move over to a WordPress blog. The unfortunate thing is, is that my blog software is so old that it is impossible to do a direct clean e- export of it out of that and into WordPress. And so I've made the bold decision to actually go through every single blog post and pull out those posts that are no longer valid. And I think that my broader point here and the lesson for everybody is it pays to really go back and curate your blog posts from time to time if you can do that. It takes a while to do, but I think it, it pays off in the end. I'm I'm finding that as I go through about 40% of the posts that I posted. Now I'm only up to I've got I've got about eight years worth of posts. I'm only up to about 2004 right now. About 40% of the posts that I posted have links that are completely dead, which renders that post entirely useless. It's not useful at all to the reader. And I'm actually deleting those. I'm curating my posts. If there are new links or updated links, I'm putting those in so that people who do find my old posts are able to actually get to useful information. So maybe that can be something on your calendar for 2011. And as for learning um, something new, um, my my new learning this year is going to be Microsoft Project. Uh, like most lawyers, uh, we I find myself uh, having a need to do more project management. And as a consultant, I do a lot of project management. And Microsoft Project, in my opinion is the most full-featured uh, tool out there to do it. Uh, even though I do like the uh, the online tools, uh, it seems that more companies use Microsoft Project than online project management tools. So I will be devoting the first quarter of this year to learning uh, in depth how to use micro pro- uh, Microsoft Project. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from the Legal Talk Network and our sponsors, Clio and LexisNexis. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack takes a look at the process of moving to the cloud. Now, how long does it take to move to the cloud, and is it a difficult process? No, I, with most cloud computing providers, moving uh, your data into the cloud is something that takes just minutes, not hours or days to do. You can get signed up and running with most services in just a few minutes. 
And uh, even if you have an existing, uh, a legacy set of data that you want to migrate to a, a web-based practice management system like Clio, there's migration tools and migration services that we're able to offer to ease that process. So most firms can be up and running to the cloud in less than in the cloud in less than five minutes and can have their data imported uh, in a matter of hours or days. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if you'd like to get more information on Clio, feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O.com. Thanks for tuning into our program today. We want to let you know about something extraordinary happening in the legal industry. Right now, hundreds of independent attorneys just like yourself are working to bring a very special product to market. These attorneys are part of a development program at LexisNexis, and they are working under NDA on a brand new application that will change the way you run your practice. This solution, LexisNexis Firm Manager, is a web-based, highly secure application operating in SAS 70 Type 2 attested data centers. If you are interested in test driving LexisNexis Firm Manager at no charge, or to learn more, visit www.myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. And we're continuing with our all Q&A format and asking each other the tech questions we've been meaning to ask each other for a while. Tom, do you have a question to start for me? I certainly do. My question for you, Dennis, is when are you going to stop emailing me and asking for the passwords for blog, for Twitter, for any other shared accounts that we have? Because I can count on getting one of those at least once every month or so. And and I guess my compound question to that is how many times do I have to mention LastPass on this podcast for you to get the message? You know, Tom, I realize I neglected to uh, put this on my technology agenda for next year, but I, I think you're I think you're you're right. I do have the tendency to ask you that uh, about once about once a month. And you always mention LastPass, and I always mention that I am using a password tool called KeepPass. K e e p a s s, and That's a good tool. and uh, which I which I really like. It's just a question of of getting all the passwords into that, and then then also uh, I tend to use as we've talked about in password uh, programs that we've done. I tend to use some naming conventions to help me, and so uh, the shared accounts we have use completely different naming conventions. So I sometimes forget the username, and I will forget the password as well. So I, th- I think it's a great advice this year for people to really pay attention to, to passwords. Uh, there have been some compromises, fairly public ones, uh, where people, especially if you use the same password in a lot of online places, one of them gets compromised. You've really given people the keys to your online kingdom. So I think looking at something like LastPass or KeyPass is probably a great way to go in 2011 to get passwords in order. It's just, you just got to remember to open it up and put the username and password in right at the beginning as you create accounts. I think the difficulty tends to be uh, keeping track of the, uh, the passwords and accounts that you don't use very often. Tom, question, question for you. 
I see your information all over the place, newsletters, blogs, you have a link stream even, um, and that just feeds into the problem I have. And I just want to get your best recommendation these days on how to streamline what I'm actually collecting off the internet and, and putting into a place or a format where I can actually make it useful to me so that I say, oh, wait, it's time to do a podcast. Here are the links. Here's resources I found that actually relate to this topic, and I can put my hands on them all at once. Um, what's your best recommendation these days just on streamlining the information we take in? Well, my favorite, um, my favorite, to that's one of my favorite topics these days. And, and I, and I have a three step process for doing that, really. Um, that can, it could be two steps or, or three steps, depending on how deep you want to get into it. But yeah, the first step uh, is using something like Google Reader, using a newsreader to find the information that is useful to you. So I have many hundreds of, of RSS feeds that I subscribe to. And when I find something that I want to use, uh, I will, uh, I, I will click a link. I will send it typically to Instapaper first because I want to read it. If I want to read it, then I will click a Instapaper has a nice little bookmarklet that I can just click in my browser and will automatically post that article up to Instapaper. If I don't want to, uh, to, to read it and just send it on, I send it on to Evernote, which is the third step. So the first step is Google Reader, setting that up, being able to, uh, to read the, the feeds that you have. Second step is if there are articles you want to read, sending those to Instapaper, which will then allow you to send those on to Evernote. If you find an article that, I mean, the articles that pass muster and, and you want to send on, go to Evernote. Um, and then once in Evernote, they can be there forever and you can post them in as many notebooks as you want. You can put them in one notebook and tag them with hundreds of different tags. I know, Dennis, that you and I've had this discussion several times where you've really been interested in uh, and, and your your workflow has generally been to put everything into PDF files. Well, I would encourage you to, if you find something and you still want to use PDF files, put them all into Evernote because they all become searchable and you can assign tags to them so that they're easily a you're easily able to find them rather than have them on a hard drive somewhere in folders. You can use desktop software to do it, but I think Evernote is a much friendlier tool to use it. All right, Dennis, my next question for you is, I see that a reader has been, uh, or one of your Facebook friends has been complaining about the amount of business-related things that you're posting on your Facebook page. Are you going to stop doing that or what? You know, this is what happens as, as social media evolves over time. So, Tom, you and I got on Facebook, as I always like to say, right about the time that adults were first allowed onto Facebook. And so you're all, we're always experimenting. And so one of my experiments was because it was difficult for me to actually go to Facebook. Um, I just set it up so that my Twitter, my personal Twitter feed um, automatically went out as a Facebook update. And so th in a way that that generally works for me. But as time has gone on, I realize I have completely different audiences that I get more actual friends on Facebook as I as I like to tell people the world for me, really, it seemed like the world had dramatically changed a couple of months ago when I got two uh, Facebook friend invitations from two of my aunts in a one week 
period. So the the idea that I'm saying, oh, here's my new podcast, here's my new ABA journal column, going out in Facebook to my aunts and my cousins, high school friends and stuff, it doesn't make as much sense as it used to when it was I I was using Facebook in a way there were more professional colleagues, that sort of thing. And so I I think that uh, you are going to I am going to split split those things up and and I just have to figure out a good way to do that and kind of revamp what I'm doing. Hate to use that word on friend, but I think I'm going to clean up uh who I'm friends with in Facebook and and take a a, a different approach and kind of uh disconnect uh Twitter and Facebook. So not necessarily because of this comment, but I've been feeling uh that it's something I've needed to do for a few months and and it's it's on my focus to kind of say, okay, what what is happening in social media? What are the audiences? What what do I really want to communicate in those things? Tom, one last question. I realized the question I had for you. I think you answered already. So, I you're always seen as very positive on all of technology, and and I, at least to the world. And I know sometimes things really irritate you about technology. So, I wanted you to tell the audience what are. What are some of your biggest technology pet peeves these days? You know, I would have to say that my biggest pet peeve, given the time that we have, is the fact that no matter how much memory I put on my computer, it I, I'm always able to use enough resources to take up the available memory that I have. I I had, you know, used to be that, that 500 megabytes of memory was enough, and then that suddenly it wasn't, and then a, a gig of memory was enough, and then suddenly it wasn't. And I think that right now I've got four gigs of memory on my computer, and running Chrome and iTunes and some of the programs that I run, it sucks up the memory just amazingly. And, and I don't know if that's a user error, and it po- probably is, has something to do with how I use it. It, but uh, it really just drives me crazy that no matter how much memory I have, I always wind up taking up all of it. I guess that that's similar to uh, using the available space. If you've got a big house, you it'll you'll wind up using every inch of every closet uh, that you have. It's it's the same with technology. Okay, now it's time for our parting shots. At one tip, website, or observation, you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. I have two parting shots. The first one is Instapaper related, and what you can do with Instapaper now is use a, use a service called Instapaper Feed that uh, that hooks up to your Instapaper account. Just hook it up to your Instapaper account, and then you can give it a feed for, say, example, your Twitter uh, account or from any RSS feed. And what it does is it takes all the links that that RSS feed has or your Twitter feed has, and it sends it directly into your Instapaper so that you've got a list of articles to read. I've been trying to find a new tool that allows me to to read offline all the great links I get in Twitter, and I may be using Instapaper as my new tool for that. The fun one that I want to talk about is called Conference Call Bingo. Uh, If you go to the link at www.lifesize.com slash bingo slash play.html, you'll find a card with uh, many of the uh, many of the different words that you might hear on conference calls, like uh, who just joined the call, and, uh, and 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 just all sorts of different terms that you might hear on conference calls. If you're stuck in a boring conference call, pull up this bingo card and play away, Dennis. You know, we're recording the last week of December, and to me, this is the greatest week of the year for reading blogs because everybody does these year-end retrospectives where they pull together their best posts, their top 10 lists, all, all these different things. So, um, 
every day lately, lifehacker.com just has one tremendous article after another. I recommend How To Geek uh, has a great set of 20, 20 things, but there's a lot of stuff out there. But um, on my on my agenda and hopefully arriving in a couple of days will be a new MacBook Air. And so um, I found this great uh, post that collects everything that I was hoping to find all in one place. It's on Lifehacker. It's called uh, Set Up and Get to Know Your New Mac. And it just has sort of all the things from w- what are the free download apps to what are the basic things you need to to do to get started. If you're moving from Windows to a Mac, what are some tips? It will send you to great posts. It, it has the same type of posts for for you know, iPod, iPhone for new Windows machines, new Android phones, um, just a great set of resources. And, you know, these days when people say is blogging dead and blogs are, you know, don't have much information or much to say, and we're at the end of blogging, just take a look this week at some of the great information out there and, and you'll see how useful blogs really are. That's a great tip. I saw those articles, too. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get in touch with us, as well as links to all the topics we discussed today, is available on our show notes wiki at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming episode topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. We're looking forward to answering your questions in 2011. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.